you know, India's right on the heels of China uh, with the amount of people they have. Uh, over one billion people living in China, one billion people living in uh, almost uh, one billion. I think it is creeping up to one billion people that live in China. But in Africa, there's over a billion people that live in China, uh, in Africa, I'm sorry, over a billion people that lives in Africa. So uh, these countries, when we talk about uh, 1,200 people, 1,200 churches, 1,200 pastors, is nothing. It's not a drop in the barrel. It's what needs to be done, what can be done. And uh, we're praying that the Lord will help us to uh, continue to do the work that the Lord has called us to do there in, uh, well, in all those countries. And then you pray that the Lord will be with America. Uh, that's where everything begins, rises and falls, I guess you could say, in America. And then we can get the gospel out from this place. I want to speak to you this morning in Sunday school, just an unusual subject. I never heard a message on it until I preached. And I use this quite often in, in churches I go into. I go into small churches. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, I've got a plan that I'm trying to develop uh, in these young churches or these small churches or these churches that are swiveling. They're not as big as they once was. Probably that is your situation, your scenario here at Victor Ray Baptist Church. But at the same time, one of the, the subjects that needs to be, um, and maybe you might want to get you a piece of paper and pencil and drop some of these verses down. Maybe there's some things that might be interest to you. I hope it will be. But passing out gospel tracts. <laughs> I bet you never heard a message on that, have you? Most time, we take it for granted that everybody's doing that. I started a ministry about two years ago just giving out gospel tracts. And I was concerned because I'd heard so many people that had tried to give out gospel tract and they got turned down, got discouraged because of the fact people would not receive them. And I got to thinking about it. Why do, not, why do people not receive gospel tract? Uh, how many would be honest this morning that you've, been tr you've tried to give out gospel tracts, but most people just turn them down? Would you slip your hand up? Most people are like, oh yeah, most of us are like that. We've tried to give them out, but at the same time, people just say, we don't want that. And I got to thinking, what causes people to turn down a gospel track? Well, it might be our attitude. Uh, every day that I start out my life, my day, uh, living my life, maybe I should say it that way, uh, I, I ask the Lord to give me an open door. I want to have an open door where I can give out gospel tracts and people will receive them. Uh, I was in a restaurant. My son called me up and wanted to have breakfast with me. Well, it was a brunch. And uh, he called me and asked me would I come and meet him. I told him, sure. We went to this restaurant that was basically all breakfast there in Winston-Salem. And uh, we went out to eat and we sat down. There was nowhere else because it was full. Anytime you see a full restaurant, most time it's pretty good food, amen? But the restaurant was full, and they set us up at the counter. My son and I sat there, and, and there was a lady that, she had a glum look on her face, you know, just like, if you speak to me, I'm going to slap you. Have you seen people like that? <laughs> but, but, you know, we ought, to, uh, we ought to cheer people up. Uh, you can't give people a gospel tract that looks like that. 
Did you know that? They won't, they ain't, they're not going to receive anything. You couldn't give them a $5 bill. Well, you might be able to give them a $5 bill. Uh, give them a tank of gas or something. They might, might, uh, might receive what you have. But what I'm saying is that we sit there on, that, on that, those stools that morning and ate our brunch. And as we was eating, I was trying to converse with the lady. And she just, you know, she was busy but not that busy. She could have talked. But yet I was determined that I was going to get the gospel to her some shape, form, or fashion. And that morning, I had the privilege of uh, giving her the gospel and leaving in her hand a gospel tract that she taken from my hand and put it in her apron pocket and went about her business. And she promised me, I'll read that as soon as I get a time. If I don't, I'll read it at home. After all of that was said, we got that done. We was back fixing to pay the check, and there was a lady that was all striped up. Uh, she had nuts and bolts in her face. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about on that or not. I'm not trying to be mean, uh, but uh, when I walked up to the cashier, she was the cashier, when I walked up to her, uh, I said, my, you sure look decorative this morning. And she looked at me and she said, would you, would you help me with something? She said, I tried to put my mascara on this morning and I don't know if it's straight. Now, would you tell me if it's straight? And I looked at it and I said, Man, it looks pretty straight. She said, thank you. And I said, uh, you've done a good job on the whole outfit there. I mean, it looks good. I don't know what all the words I used. I didn't mean to use any inoffensive terms. But before it was all said and done, she was looking like a lady that would not receive a gospel tract. But when it's all said and done, she received the gospel tract and asked me to pray for her. Now, that's the kind of witnessing that we want to do. See, if we're not careful, we'll turn people off. When you turn people off, it takes people a long time to get back to receive what God really wants to give them. See, we don't need to turn people off. I, I don't know about you, but I get turned off from time to time. Do you? Don't look at me like you in the cafe, look at your fence. We all get turned off from time to time. And what we're trying to say this morning is that what we're trying to do, we're trying, and you may, may want to understand this term, we're trying to create a desire in people to receive not only a gospel tract, but the gospel message of the Lord Jesus. See, if we can do that, we won't turn people off. They'll gladly receive what you have to give them, a gospel tract. I have a gospel tract in my pocket. Uh, it's, it's called God Loves You. This is one that we give to policemen. I, I give them to policemen all over the place. I haven't got a ticket yet, but when I do, I'm going to give them one. But I hope I don't get one. I don't need to give them one uh, that way. But every time I see a policeman, if it's in a restaurant, wherever it may be, sitting on the side of the road, wherever, if I get a chance, I'll pull off and I'll talk to them. I'll give them a gospel tract. But this gospel tract that I hold in my hand is called God Loves You tract. My friend... Took him 25 years to make it what it is today. It's probably one of the greatest gospel tracks that's out today. I use them constantly. There's about, I guess we have about 20 different languages, different uh, fronts. We've got one with American. I, think, I don't know if I got any more with me 
No, I don't have but just the one about the policeman. But I have different ones. It took 25 years to uh, correct it and to get it to where it, it can really be used. And God's used it all over the world. We used it in India and we've used it in, in the Bahamas. We had, we had 10,000 people um, take a gospel tract and pray the prayer and ask the Lord to come into heart and save them. By giving, after giving them the gospel, they prayed the prayer and asked the Lord to come into heart. 10,000. Uh, God has God blessed the gospel tract. We spoke in schools. We preached in, in uh, we preached 59 times. And by preaching 59 times, we had 10,000 people trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, that sounds big numbers, but, you know, if we are serious about getting the gospel out, people will receive it. But many times we're not serious. We think, well, you know, we heard a message in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whenever it may be, Sunday school whatever it may be, and we say we need, to, we need to get busy. We need to do something. And so what we do is we walk out the door, we get a handful of tracks. We don't pay any attention as to the matter of what the track says. Probably if, you, if we asked you what the track said, you probably wouldn't know. But we give them out, just give them out, and they say, well, I don't want that. You haven't explained to them. And see, I don't give gospel tracks that don't, I don't never give a gospel track to somebody that don't want it. Did you hear that? I never give a gospel tract to somebody that doesn't want one. I make sure they desire one. You say, how in the world do you do that? You've got to create a desire. You've got to be nice and friendly. I, like to, I love to walk into a restaurant. I always tell my waitress, a waiter, or whoever it may be, as soon as I walk in, I tell them, I said, now my tip is good. I want good service. And I always do it with a smile. And I said, the better the service, the bigger the tip. You know, that'll make people perk up. It's like if you go in and ask for a job, and they said, uh, yes, I'll, I'll hire you. And I'll say, well, I'll work for you, but the, the more that you pay me, the better I'll work. We don't hear that. But anyhow, we're talking about giving out gospel tracts. That's just a little bit of an introduction. There's a couple of verses of Scripture that we could look at. I want, I want us to look at them, if you will. Uh, look with me, if you will, in the book of Romans, if you will. Romans, uh, giving out gospel tracts is, is something that we need to be interested in. Giving them out effectively. I don't want to give, I'm sorry. Did somebody say something? I'm sorry. But uh, in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. We want to be effective in giving out gospel tracts. We just want to give them, them, throw them in the garbage can. We want to give them and have an interest in it. I don't, I don't explain the gospel tract to them. I know what's in it. And I explain to them that God loves them. And if God loves them, how much God did love them. That he gave his son on the cross of Calvary. He suffered, bled, and died. And after he died on the cross of Calvary, they taken him off the cross, put him in the tomb. Stayed in the tomb three days and three nights, and the third day he resurrected from the grave. And that's how we get life, is through his life. Because he lives, I live. And if they understand that, they'll be interested in what I hand to them, and they'll read it as the day goes by, or eventually when they get home, or whenever, wherever it may be. But giving out gospel tracts, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, and verse number 17, Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, if you will. I got a little feedback here. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, 
and hearing by the Word of God. There's another passage you may want to turn to, or you may just want to write it down. It's found in Mark chapter 13 and verse number 10. Mark chapter 13, verse 10. The Bible says in Mark 13 and verse number 10, and the gospel must first be published among all nations. Notice there, there's, there's two parts. There's First of all, they must hear something. Not just anything. They need to hear, thus saith the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then in this next verse, as I've given you, in Mark 13, 10, and the gospel must first be published among all nations. The gospel. Now, you know who's speaking in that second uh, verse, Mark chapter 13, verse 10. The Lord Jesus is speaking. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. Publishing simply means giving it out, getting it to the, getting it to the hearer, getting it to people that will respond to what they read and what they hear. If we don't give it out, they have nothing to respond to. See, that's the reason many people are dead in their grave and going to a devil's hell because of the simple fact nobody witnessed to them. Tens of thousands of people today would be saved. I heard something one time, and I may have said it from this pulpit in years gone by. I said, I heard something years ago that changed my life. The man got up, the preacher got up, and he said this. He said, one of two things has happened to the gospel. One of two things has happened to the gospel. Number one, the gospel may have lost its power. Now, we can laugh right there. We know it's not lost its power. The Bible says, uh, for the, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we know it's not lost its power. So he went on to say something else that really literally changed my life. He said, it's not been given. People are waiting on it. You know, there's thousands of people right here in Hillsville that's never heard the gospel. Thousands. Just because we may have knocked on a door and we've given out a few gospel tracts or given out some pamphlets or whatever we've given, and that's good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticizing that in no shape, form, or fashion. But there's probably thousands of people in and around Hillsville that's never heard the gospel, never heard it. Now, what do we do about those people? Well, we've got to make sure that everybody is witnessing. That's what's going to preach on next hour, and I'm not going to give it all away, but that's what we'll preach on the next hour. Three things that's missing in our church, and you keep that in your mind, if you will. But here we find that giving out gospel tracts, uh, it's imperative that people understand, not understand, I'm sorry, please mark that off. People need to hear something. It's imperative that people hear something from the scriptures. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If they do not hear something from God's word, most likely they'll never come under conviction because the Bible is clear very clear, that faith it cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes, that's how we get faith, is by believing the word of God, or hearing the word of God. So, we find that it's imperative that a lost person hears, according to Romans ten seventeen. it's imperative that a lost person hears something from the scriptures to receive faith, right? Am I not right? Sure. 
That's, what it's imp- that's why it's important. That's the reason we need to take it upon ourselves. Now, who is to take it upon themselves? Every born-again child of God. You know, so many times we put so many burdens on our pastor. We think that he should do it all. We think he should do everything. But no, what about you? What, when was the last time that you take it upon yourself to give the gospel to someone? You said, well, I want my, my son or my daughter to be saved. I want my aunts and uncles saved, or I need. I want. I want some of my friends to be saved. Well, the only way that they probably will ever hear the gospel is through you. You, if you don't take it upon yourself to be a witness, who's going to get it to them? Most likely, no one. So, it it becomes important that a person is to get a witness from a Christian. Very important. Now. A gospel track is a good way to do that. Uh, but most time I start out, when I start out trying to win somebody, or trying not win somebody, but try to win their confidence, that's one way I could put it, is that I want to create a desire of them that they really need to know what I've got to say. I've got something important to say. That's like this morning in Sunday school. I believe I've got something important to say to you. Now, you may not receive it. That's your business. That's your prerogative. It's not mine. My prerogative is that I might be able to give you something that's important enough that you might take it upon yourself that when you walk out those doors that you might be able to find people or see people or come up against people or come in contact with people, have an encounter with people that you might be able to witness to them. Now, witness is simply building up their confidence. And we do that by being friendly, most of us are friendly. Most Baptist churches are not too friendly. You ever been to, you ever been a visitor in a Baptist church? They look at you like a new calf looking at a new fence. They say, "Who is this guy?" I'm that, 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 that. You know, we we have a tendency to be that way. But no, we need to be friendly to people. People need the gospel. People need to hear about the gospel. They need to know what the gospel is. We find out the gospel is the death, standing in the water. You remember about baptism and all that other stuff? Uh, that's uh, standing up. That's where Christ went to the cross of Calvary, suffered, bled, and died on the cross of Calvary. When he died, they taken him off the cross. They put him in the tomb. When they put him in the tomb, stayed three days and three nights. On the third day, he resurrected from the grave. Hey, that's the death, burial, and resurrection. They need to hear that. If they don't hear that, they can't be saved. That's that's important to know. People cannot be saved unless they hear what God has offered mankind. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So God has given us the, God has given us that prerogative to believe it. I was thinking the other day, isn't it wonderful as a Christian I can believe I believe, I believe creation. Isn't that wonderful? I believe that, that, uh, uh, that Adam and Eve sinned, and because of their sin, the whole human race was cast, uh, uh, was, was cast into, the, into sin. Uh, uh, sin came into our lives. But yet God went to the cross of Calvary, uh, sent, uh, sent the Lord Jesus to the cross of Calvary that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I believe all that. I'm a believer. 
I believe on the Lord Jesus. I believe in the Lord Jesus. I believe all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, he changed my life. And I want others to know about that. And I've got to devise a plan. You know, this, these old human bodies is something else, you know. Um, I have to set alarm clock. And I have to make myself get used to a routine. And you name it, you name it, you name it. We're doing all kinds of crazy things in our life. And we do it a whole lifetime. And it's because of these bodies, we've got to program them. And if we don't program our bodies or our, uh, our, our lives to be a witness, we'll never become a witness. Most people are sitting in our Baptist churches today that's never become a witness, never, be, never been a witness, much less winning somebody. We're not talking about winning anybody. By the way, I've never known anybody to win anybody to God. God said, I'll do that. I will build my church. And if he's building his church, what I need to do is be a witness. And I'm gonna, I'll read that later on. We won't read it this morning uh, in this hour, uh, in the Sunday school hour. What time did I quit? Somebody tell me. Okay, okay, good, good. I thought I'd done went over. Uh, I'm used to 10 o'clock, <laughs> but we come in at 9.30 this morning. But notice a couple of things. It becomes important for a person to get a witness from a Christian. Not just a preacher, not just a missionary, not just Sunday school teachers, not just deacons. It's important they get a witness from a Christian. If you're a Christian, you ought to tell somebody about Jesus. I know that's redundant, but it shouldn't be. It should be something that we do every day. We should be prepared. Uh, I like to do this sometimes, and I'm not going to do it this morning, but I'm going I'm to give you what I normally do. Sometimes I do it, sometimes I don't. But I ask people, are you ready to witness right now? And I ask the next question, if you're ready to witness, reach in your pocket right now and pull out a gospel track and show it to me. That would be embarrassing for most of them. You say, well, you're a preacher and you're going out this morning and you put them in your pocket just for, no, no, no. I, I care for tracks every day. I, uh, my wife, she does the same thing. Uh, if, you'll, if you'll be out and you ask for a gospel track or you need a gospel track, she's got one in her purse. But there was a time that she didn't have them. We finally got it down in our hearts and our lives. It was important. Do you think it's important? Amen. It's very important. And then notice a little bit farther in Acts 1.8. It says, after, uh, but ye shall receive power. Now, God has given us the power to do something. When we think about power, you know, we hear preachers get up and say, well, we want the power of God to preach the gospel. I do. I want that. But I need power for more than that. Uh, what about the everyday Christian that, are, that is sitting in the pew, just, I mean, sitting in the, uh, yeah, in the pew like you are this morning? Do you need power? Sure. Everybody needs power. That's the reason he said there in Acts 1-8, but uh, in verse number 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses. Witnesses. That's what God wants us to be, as a witness. God never, never called us to change the world. He never, never called us to, to, to save anybody. That's what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. He suffered, bled, and died for all. And if we believe that, then we can be witnesses. God wants us to be a witness for him. 
Notice what he says in, in that Acts 1.8, And ye shall be witnesses unto me both at the same time, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost. Most emphasis today in our church when we talk about missions, we talk about foreign missions. I've been a foreign mission. I've worked in home missions. I've done all kinds of missions, but I've been in, as a missionary for 46 years. I was called under my own preaching to be a missionary. That's redundant. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, redundant too, as far as that goes. But anyhow, we find that God is interested in getting the gospel to everybody. I, I sort of get burdened when I, when I uh, uh, fly. I fly over more people than I'll reach when I land. Who's reaching those people that I fly over? Somebody's got to reach them. I may fly over Hillsville. Who's going to reach Hillsville? Your preacher can't do it alone. There's no way he can do it alone. Brother Bryant may be busy and he may be hard at it and stays hard at it and always at it. But what about you? Are you a witness? Have you been a witness? Now, I'm not talking about did you get somebody saved. I'm talking about when was the last time you gave a witness Sometimes you may be called on to be a witness as to the matter in a, in a court of law. You may be called on to be a witness. Did you see that accident? Oh, yeah, I saw it. He was, he was driving recklessly, and he was going around cars and doing all, and he was reckless. I, I'm a witness to that. I was coming down the road uh, the other night taking my sister home, and uh, there was this car come out from around me, I mean, cut me off and did all kinds of crazy things. It was night. I have a hard time seeing anyhow. And he cut me off and, and going down the road. And he got all the way down, maybe, maybe a half a mile, maybe a mile. I doubt if it was a mile, about a half a mile. Um, there's all kinds of policemen out in the road. They was checking, I guess, insurance and license and, you know, registration and all that stuff. And he barely had time to stop. And I pulled up, and I was, I was already aggravated, and I told that policeman, I said, did you talk? He said, yeah, I gave him a good chewing out because he come up in here flying. I said, he cut me off. I just gave him a lowdown on the thing. See, see, the thing about it is, I witnessed that. We need to witness things that we might be able to tell others, and that's the, number one is the gospel. Have you witnessed the gospel? Have you witnessed today, by the way? Have you talked to anybody about the gospel? Most likely we've not talked, had contact with a lot of people unless you went by McDonald's or if you went into Hardee's or somewhere. You may have talked to somebody. But have you given out a gospel track? And if you have, that's a part of our witnessing. So the gospel track is about a death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Which is better, giving a lost person a Bible or a simple witness along with the gospel? I, I remember... Uh, several years ago, we was carried, I don't know, thousands of Bibles down into India, down in uh, Hyderabad, not Hyderabad, Rajamandri, and uh, we we give out thousands of Bibles. We stack them up every night. We'd have a big, tall platform about like here, and we'd stack them up. It would be, it would be much longer than this, and ten thousand people sitting out in front of you, and 
and we'd give an invitation, and they would come running from the back, and sl- almost like they was playing a baseball game, sliding in, wanting the Bible. We'd preach the gospel, but yet they was more concerned about a Bible than there was anything. But the thing about it is, a Bible can never save anybody unless we give a witness of what says in that, what, what it talks about in that Bible, that God loves them, gave his son to die on the cross of Calvary, suffered, bled, and died, was buried, and rose again the third day. So we find that it's better to give a lost person a gospel track or a gospel witness. We're talking about everybody now. We're not talking about just, in, just a few. We're talking about everybody that's involved in our ministry, everybody that's involved in the, in the church membership. If they're saved, born again, that's what we Baptists try to do, to keep the church membership saved, baptized, and all on, the, uh, on, on doing the work of the Lord as to being a witness. And if we're being a witness, then we can see great things happen for the glory of God. Uh, giving a Bible to every person on the planet would not change the world. You ever thought about that? Never change the world. I tell you what would change the world. You know what Paul and all of his entourage did? They was witnesses. You're listening to me, right? You ain't lost me. Paul and his people, all of the people that was working with Paul, they were witnesses. And guess what it was said about Paul and his people? That they turned the world upside down. Isn't that amazing? The thing about it is we need to be witnesses. In fact, I doubt very seriously. In fact, I know for a fact. Apostle Paul didn't have a Bible. Not all of it had the Old Testament. If he didn't have the Old Testament, what did he give? He had a witness. By being a witness, they started churches. They baptized believers. And they started churches. That's what it's all about. If we're not doing that, we're failing. Uh, Let me give you one illustration. Uh, Let me me give you a couple more things here, and we'll, we'll, we'll move on here. See, the world needs a Savior, and the only way to get him introduced around the world is through Christians witnessing the gospel, period. If we don't have Christians doing it, why, you'll meet people your pastor will never see. There's people that's in behind you, up in front of you, and around you that your preacher and your deacons will probably never meet or never know. So who's going to witness to them? Oh, I'll bring them to church. Well, that'd be good if you do that, but most likely you're going to have to give them a reason to come to church, and most likely the best reason to give them to get to come to church and get to the church is that you give them the gospel, be a witness to them. Let me give you a, a little illustration. It's been several years ago. Uh, I've got a friend. His name is Ebo. Ebo is a tremendous guy, little fella. He's brown. He's got jet black hair. May have a few gray hairs now. He's getting a little bit of age on him. But he's, he's a tremendous guy. He started multi, multiplied churches, uh, probably 50 churches, maybe more. I'm not sure how many he started. He starts some just about every year, and sometimes he lets them loose, and, and they're independent churches, and they can do what they want to, and he don't keeps up with He don't, doesn't keep up with them. But he was a young man. He got deathly sick 
Of course, most of us men, when we get sick, it's deathly, right? But he was deathly sick, lying in his cot there in his little shanty that he was living in there in northern India. He's a Maytay, as I mentioned a moment ago, 40 million Maytays up in that area. And he was sick, and he was lying on his cot. And his mother was concerned for him, and he thought maybe, man, we need to do something to help him. And so his mother, taking it upon herself, go down to the village, down into the marketplace. You have to know the marketplaces. The marketplaces are not like a Walmart, but no shape, form, imagination. But a, a, a marketplace is a place where everything is laid out on the ground, just as far as you can see. I can see it in, in Africa, and I can see it all over the place. I see it all over the world. If you've ever been to the Bahamas, there used to be a place called uh, the, the uh, Hay, Hay Market down, downtown Nassau, if you've ever been there. Uh, there's a big place there. They sell everything. Uh, 8 to 80, crippled, blind, and crazy is, is there. But uh, uh, the, a marketplace, she goes into the marketplace, there's everything there. And she's looking for something that she thinks that would be helpful to her son to make her, him feel better. And as she's looking, going from place to place, and maybe she goes into herbs, or the herbs and then goes to another place where the, there may be a medicine doctor, or the me- all kinds of things. And she finally comes up on something, but before she is able to reach down to get it or pick it up or whatever, there's a man from South India has written out the gospel on a piece of paper, like a eight and a half by 11 regular piece of paper. He's written out the gospel on both sides. Pretty large print, pretty large lettering so that people could read it with any kind of eyesight. Wrote out the gospel, just wrote it out. And he walked up to Ebo's mother and handed it to her. She was reluctant to take it. She's Hindu. In fact, she died a Hindu. She's buried in the front yard of her house that she raised all of her children in. She died and was buried there in the front yard. I've been there. I've been in their home. I've had a meal in their home. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a home like you think. But that, yet she takes this on her, and she's a bit concerned. She thinks, well, this is probably something to do with foreigners probably something to do with something that's not important or important. Maybe change people's life. I don't want, we don't want that. We want something to make him feel better. And of course, she takes the paper, folds it up, takes it home, and gives it to Ebo. And she said, now, Ebo, somebody has handed me this, and she describes the man. He's a tall, dark guy. He's got black hair. He's, he's, he's a regular Indian from South Africa, probably from Anapadish, and he's given me this piece of paper, but if you read it, and if it's anything to do with foreigners and trying to change you and this and that and the other, keep you, uh, stop you from being a Hindu, don't read it. Of course, he had to read it. When he read it, God changed his life. It was the gospel message. Hey, by the way, do you believe the gospel has power? It'll change a man's life. It'll change a woman's life. It'll change people's life. It changed my life. 
March of 1969, on an airplane somewhere, somewhere between Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and Oakland, California, I bowed my head and asked the Lord Jesus after believing the gospel, and he changed me from the top of my head to the sole of my pe- feet. <laughs> sole of my people. The sole of my feet. He changed me. That's what the gospel will do. And so when he read it, God changed his life. It, it, it told about the gospel, how that Jesus... Uh, how that God loved him and gave Jesus to him and that Jesus went to the cross and was buried and, and rose again from the grave. And if they, he would believe that and, and just simply ask the Lord to come into his heart, that he would save him. And he did. He did all that. When he got saved, some of the people noticed there was something different about Ebo now. He's getting feeling better. Not only is he feeling better, but he's got something different about it. He's got a different countenance. Did your countenance change when you got saved? Sure. Mine did. I was a heathen when I got saved. But when God saved me, he changed me to be a Christian, a believer in Christ. And when I became a believer, my whole life was changed. That's what happened to Ebo. And his family was standing around and said, you're feeling much better, Ebo, and you've read this and your life has been changed. Would you read that to me? Would you read that to us? He had his family around his bed and he read that gospel tract that at Indian brought from South Indian all the way to the Northeast. His whole family got saved except his mother. His mother received, rejected it, wouldn't receive it. Then pretty soon they said, you know, it's, it's really helped our family. Let's tell the village about it. Ebo, why don't you stand out on the porch and we'll invite all of the people in the village. Sounds like a fairy tale, doesn't it? It happened. Brought all the people, and they stood out in front of the house. Ebo stood on the, on, the, on the little porch, little stoop, and read the gospel tract and led the whole village into prayer. They began to meet on a regular basis, and they read it several times, over and over again, till the whole village was saved. The whole village was saved. I'm saying, you know, majority of the village was saved. And they got to thinking, why don't we do that in the next village? They did it in three villages. Sounds strange, doesn't it? But it happened. Is that the gospel? Gospel can do that. You say, are you sure? I said, yep, I've been there. I've seen it. I preached in all three of those churches. There was a man that came from the south about six months later, maybe a year later, and he was preaching that you need to be, if you're saved, you need to follow Christ in believers' baptism. He baptized three congregations of people. There's three congregations. I preached in all three of them. There's one larger than the other, but there's two that's about the same size. They run about 100 or so. And I preached in all three of those. Every time I go to India in the northeast part, and I'm supposed to be going back here soon, every time I go up there, guess what happens? I get to preach in those three churches. Now, what am I saying? If one gospel tract written out, handwritten, wonder what a witness would do. See, the thing about it is, if our church is going to grow, if our church is going to be what it needs to be, we need to make sure that we cut off about this time. It's getting late. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for what we've heard, what we've felt. Father, we pray now that you speak to our hearts. Lord, help us to be a witness for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you. Sorry, I went over a minute, too.